0: And now, a word from our sponsors. The Oyster Recovery Partnership is the nonprofit expert in Chesapeake Bay oyster restoration. Oyster Recovery Partnership has planted more than 9 billion oysters on 3,000 acres of reef and recycled more than 250 bushels of shell. Everyone benefits from a healthy Chesapeake Bay. Poor water quality and declining habitats can be reversed, Oysters are the answer. Pescavor is packaged in a convenient, single serving size with no refrigeration required until after opening. Pescavor is the perfect, healthy and delicious snack for those on the go. Pescavor. tuna that travels. Hey what's going on good people, it's Gardner Douglas your oyster ninja, yo first of all thank y'all um the numbers are in and spotify says that you love me you really love me and uh the channel's growing we over we are uh, being listened to in over 7 countries uh i think they said the streams were up over 900%. Who's listening? Cuz i haven't seen no reviews. Come on now y'all got to leave some reviews on this thing. Come on now. Um but no appreciate y'all for listening. Appreciate y'all for telling a friend to tell a friend. And uh, got a special episode here today. Uh, I got my boy, my Instagram boy, um, Mr. Jake Gary here from all the way up north Portland. Good gosh, the oyster guy. What's happening, man?
1: What's happening, man? It's good to to finally make it.
0: (laughs) I know, man. We've been trying to get you on the podcast for a hot minute. Um, I mean literally like before covid i think i was trying to get you on oh, yeah.
1: here yeah so oh, like yeah, a, I remember. a minute i sat my old house back then
0: <laughs> <laughs> so man just um so you're up in maine you shuck oysters you just told me you're starting an oyster farm or you started an oyster farm and of course you got the rapping on lock you the lyrical genius um you know and uh because you had the um I don't know you just you, you had a bunch of stuff going on man like I saw you was like doing shows I saw you in pictures with like Styles P and uh Coolio and a whole bunch of like big names. I was like, "Oh, look at him go."
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just uh this past weekend actually did a or two weekends ago did a show with Afro Man. Wow. I I know wow. Afro Man was still bopping around until recently in <laughs> uh <laughs> <Yeah>. Palm day <dance. laughs> Come back to See so yeah, I got to meet him um, Down in uh, Hampton Mass at uh, Wally's And we went to Manchester as well Did two shows in three days um, I'm buddies with one of the uh, Booking guys up here Who does all the media and stuff and He's a good friend of mine He always reaches out whenever Artists is in town They need some local support hits me up and obviously it's always a great opportunity. Gets me out of work. So I go have some fun, promote myself. Um, And as you said, like Oyster Guy is also my rap alias. So I uh, involve everything I do in my real life in the oyster farm and shucking in in my lyrics, which is kind of how I promote myself on both ends of the spectrum, you know what I mean?
0: How did you uh, get into oysters, man? How did that whole thing
1: start? It's so at the beach with my buddies in my high school. We had like a vacation or something. My mom works at this infamous restaurant. Uh, I'll say famous just for the podcast, but it's infamous in my mind state um, called Jay's Oyster Bar. J apostrophe S Oyster Bar. It's been there for I want to say 46 years or something, 45 years. Um, my mother, she's been working there for 25 of them. Um, so I'm at the beach with my buddies, I'm looking at my phone. Back then it was like one of those, it wasn't even a Blackberry, it was like a Strive, the little slide up with the keyboard phone. And she, she called me and she was like, hey, you want to make 100 bucks? And shit. Thirteen years ago, a hundred bucks was like a million bucks as a teenager. Um, I was like, "Hell yeah!" So I like ditched my friends, came, and got me. I guess the the shucker at work at Jay's Oyster Bar quit. Like walked up and quit. He couldn't handle it. His wrists weren't strong enough or something. Um, but uh, I got put to the job. I had no idea what I was doing. The guy working, one of the bartenders, kind of showed me this and that. This is the hinge this uh, oyster knife put a glove on there's a rag if you need it um and i got after it and i ended up working at jay's oyster bar for like eight years
0: nice who made it important to you to properly shuck an oyster like because not everybody gets it
1: right um so definitely like that job i had at jay's oyster um it took a little while for me to really understand what it was. You know, like, at such a young age, it was just a job. You know, I was making cash under the table, coming in. I'd write my own slips out and the date, and I'd hand it to the old lady bartender, and she just popped the drawer open, hand me 80 bucks or however much I worked. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, it was 12 bucks an hour, which was big money back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was... Like like I said, it took a few years to really understand what it was. And like even back then, oyster farming and just oysters in general weren't as prominent or popular as they are today. Right. As you know, they're getting more media than ever these days, um, as I wish I was as knowledgeable about them back then and knew that this would happen. <laughs> i have a mansion built out of oyster shells or something right, you know right. um but yeah it took me a few years to get the hang of it i got a little bit older 17 18 19 20 still at the same bar same job doing the same thing i'd chuck like a thousand oysters a day um everybody who came in a restaurant that's what they're there for you know and mm-hmm. we we're a tourist yeah. trap so we we're right next to the ferry terminals and where all the cruise ships docked so it's like you could you're guaranteed the money you kn- you knew how much business you're going to get just simply from the cruise ship from canada that has five thousand people on it mm-hmm. drops off everybody 200 feet down the dock and they right, right. were the first seafood restaurant on the port you know um but yeah it took me to like 20 i was probably like 19 or 20 and i was like this job is weird this job is cool. For some reason, nobody else wants to do it. Um, and I get that now that I've, I've learned and I understand it. I teach my friends. I Trying to train someone how to shuck oysters is like pulling a leg, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it just had a few years and it ma- took me to mature and understand what the job really was. And I was like, damn, I'm pretty good at this shit. Right, right, <laughs> right, like, right got the hang of it. Um, like understood the beauty of it. Each oyster is different. Um, back then at Jay's, we used to have two kinds of oysters and there was just one main oyster, um, from Damascata, usually like Norumbega's Vegas or John's rivers. Um, and then we would get, we would outsource from Virginia. So I'd get, we'd buy like blue points and they come in boxes, not even bags. Right. Right. Um, from maryland or virginia um and that was bad it took me a while to figure out that we shouldn't have been doing that because i'm like these oysters came in a box from virginia how long were they in the truck one how long were they out of the water two um uh, three 15 out of 100 maybe even more of them were just full of mud and had pea crabs in them right um And we had like happy hour in February. We do free oyster month and we I'd chuck 500 of them ahead of time and just like saran wrap layer, two dozen saran wrap, another two dozen saran wrap, put them in a box in the fridge and come happy hour, I'd walk around as free oysters, Mm -hmm. just hand them out to every customer. Um, And that's when I really started learning like the numbers and like the prices and like how are we just giving away five hundred of these? you know, like we're not making right, any right. money doing it yeah, but, um, and then I learned to find out that buying oysters from down there was like half the price of buying them up here back then. Mm. Um, so that's the reason they were doing it. They could technically afford it, if you will, to do that um, but, yeah. Uh, To answer your question, that was a long answer. I know I kind of got sidetracked, but it's all good. I finally figured out what the oyster should look like: clean, shucked well, without poking the belly. Um, I never flip the oyster because I feel like you only flip it if you poke it. Uh, And I'm not. No fighting words. Like flip it if you wanna, but I'm not a flipper. Um, It's pretty as is if you do it the right way.
0: No, yeah, I feel the same way, but of course, there are a bunch of people and like, I think I had a conversation with somebody from Australia, Um, they were like, that's just what they do. You know, they just flip, regardless of puncture or...
1: Yeah, and there's there's multiple reasons, too, like, I have people I work with, friends of mine, or, like, restaurants I go to, some will be like, they'll flip it just to make sure it's completely removed from the abductor and the bottom shell so it's loose or just to cover up the poke or whatever but mm-hmm. yeah i don't if get it if but you're an you oyster know. ninja or an oyster guy you, you <laughs> <gotta love it. laughs>
0: yeah if you shuck it you already know it's disconnected <laughs> right you know what i mean but um yeah. you know i just let people I, you know, I try not to ridicule. You know, I get enough uh, flack yeah. on social media as it is. You know, I don't try to poke the bear too much. Um, right. But uh, so, all right, cool. Yeah. So you, you were working at Jay's and, you know, you kind of, you know, got broken there. What, what was next for you?
1: You probably obviously know Island Creek Oysters. Right, right. And uh, Duxbury. They opened up an oyster shop on Washington Ave in Portland, um, about, like, a mile and a half across town. And it was, like, conveniently, at the time, Jays was kind of slowing down, getting ready to close for the season. Um, And I went over there, like, I was the king of the world, like, didn't have a resume, didn't have a cover letter. Um, I saw they were hiring on the internet.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I went in, and, like, on a piece of paper and a notebook, I just, like, wrote, like, I have shucked oysters for eight years. (laughs) Like, it's the only job I've ever had. And they pretty much hired me on spot because they were like, they really needed shuckers. And like I said before, not many people know how to or want to be an oyster shucker. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a rare breed. Um, So, yeah, I started working for the shop, they called. That was the name of the place uh, for Island Creek. Oysters. And that was a, kind of like a curveball to the like, Jay's oyster was a, like, throw everything together. We're buying oysters from Virginia. It's kind of just like, chuck as many as you can type deal. Um, and there was no really like criticism there either. It's just a bunch of older ladies that I worked with. And I was just the one young kid who worked there. um Going to the shop and work for Island Creek was like a 180 flip of the way the business was run and like oysters was their focus they were like that's all they did and it was important and you had to wear a certain apron you had to wear the same colored shirt like this and that so i kind of yeah some structure it was a perfect timing kind of thing <laughs> yeah and i was like all right this is what i wanted that i didn't know i wanted kind of mm-hmm. thing um and that place was cool but like In a similar realm of things of, like, in the busy season, it was so damn busy. We do, like, me and my roommate I live with now, we we both work next to each other. And there were days on a Saturday we do, like, him and I, we do, like, 2,500 oysters. Wow. Just, like, from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., just nonstop. Go back to the distillery behind us, do a shot of whiskey on lunch, come back real quick. Um yeah, it was cool transitioning from a place that was, like, kind of throw everything together to a place that was very professionally organized and um, kind of a different perspective on how oysters should be, you know? Yeah,
0: so I, I actually, uh, when I, I took a trip to, uh, to Prince Edward Island, and then on the way back, we stopped at the shop. And... I promise you, um, yep. first of all, some of the best oysters I had, like the main oysters, something serious, uh, and it was super fresh.
1: Right.
0: And then um, just the whole vibe in the shop, like it was a vibe. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it was it was a it good got time. A big... Before we started recording, you were saying that, um, you know, the oyster farm was just some thoughts in a book for like, you know, a while. So what right. really? I guess, what made you want to start an oyster farm, one, and two, um why did it sit so long? And, like, what was the ball that you know what, let's do it.
1: Cool. So, yeah, like, working at the shop really made me understand the oyster farm, like, very briefly, like, oyster farming, like, back at Jay's Oyster, I didn't really understand it yet i didn't get to see the farmers because we would buy through distributors so i just see the guy in the in the truck that says main shellfish has boxes and bags of them drop them off he had nothing to do with the farming you know um but working at the shop it was more intact with we bought from multiple different farmers so i'd see all these big dudes in Carhartt overall, Grundins, whatever, walk in, like big bearded dudes, drop off 500 oysters, have a beer, talk to talk. Um, I'd, you know, shoot the shit with them, get stories from them, hear this and that, where they're from. Um, and I was just like learning more and more every day at the shop, which was a very much more improving transition from Jay's it was just like do the job so the shop I got to see like different outlets different farms different ways people did it Um, and it was kind of it was like way it was a lot cooler to me to see these like guys and their sons it was almost like a father son kind of business like they'd come in have some lunch have a beer joke with us then leave and I was like that's cool like what do those guys do it's like schedule wise is like they go to work really early when the sun's up and then you're out of work at noon or one o'clock you know and it's like it's like that that life seems kind of cool <laughs> like I know it's hard work getting out there and you gotta no matter the weather kind of keep your um keep the businesses that buy from you stocked up and it's a responsibility that's more than you expect at the first. Um, That being said, like I haven't had my first harvest yet, so I haven't had to, I don't fully understand the the strenuous uh, harvest and sell activity quite yet, even though I've been helping a couple farms the past few years and I have seen pretty much every step of the process. Uh, But yeah, just like working out of the shop, I was like, damn, that job seems cool, <laughs> and shucking fifteen hundred oysters standing in one spot all damn day, it's cool until you get to the fourteen hundredth and twentieth oyster.
0: <laughs> right. I, I, the gloves stop working. At right, that point. <laughs> I definitely feel you on that, man. And um, you know, at the end of the day, where you know you poke your hand a couple times, or you know you've stubbed your finger um you know whatever it is and it just <laughs> that that numbing feeling where it, it really i mean a, a beer helps a beer a couple beers help right what is it like starting up a oyster farm in Maine? you know what i mean for your first time i mean i know you said you got some partners so, but you're like still
1: so yeah it was uh obviously i expected a lot of a lot of the back end paperwork you know getting getting the licenses from the state mm-hmm meeting with the town to make sure we weren't breaking any regulations that we shouldn't be and not being in anybody's territory. Um, it's up in Maine, you know, there's lobstering, there's fishermen, there's clamors, there's oysters, there's kelp, seaweed. There's so, many, so much aquaculture going on. Um, and it's cool, like, it's almost like how you and I are meeting and talking right now it's like everybody in the industry whether you're an oyster farmer or a lobsterman well i'll backtrack the lobstermen aren't so much as part of the aquaculture as the uh, like oysters and clams and kelp are um it's almost like oyster farmers stay out of the lobster guy's way or else type deal <laughs> um but that being said, one of my business partners is a lobsterman full-time. So he's got the intel. He's got the um, the knowledge on what to do and what not to do in the area we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we lucked out and got a spot on Sturdivant Island in Cumberland, Maine. Um, very low boat traffic. Not much going on over there but with the town of Cumberland, and they invite every – they send out – mail to every uh person who lives in cumberland to uh, attend the meeting if they wanted to if they had any things to say or if they thought it was not right or whatever excuse me um but yeah we got a location that it's very cool it's like 15 feet deep low tide like 32 feet deep high tide um i want to say like 10 to 12 residents Mm -hmm. and i just by working in town i know three of them right right so that's a really good uh relationship that i learned that i had to build for the future um and yeah back to the start of the question like starting the farm um like i said all the paperwork was rough and rowdy for a minute took longer than we thought um But like I said, it's a great community up here. All the oyster farmers are almost all in a co-op together where we all help each other out, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's gear, whether it's time, whether it's working. Like,
0: Like how the heck, where did this love of of music come from?
1: So, let's see. I mean, I I was the bad kid in middle school. We'll start that in in grade school. Um, listen to rap, s- skipping class to go listen to the new, uh, I'm a big, like, I, I, I don't appreciate, or I don't listen to a lot of the, like, new age hip hop or rap. Um, a lot of it's drawn out to, it's a bunch of nonsense to me. Um, I'm a big, like, old school, New York style, like, Brooklyn Fabulous, Jada Kiss, that kind of rap influence. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like after middle school it was kind of like freshman year in high school. Um, there was a studio in town, which is if you've been to downtown Portland, everything is walkable. Um, like from my brother's restaurant to the studio to Jay's Oyster Bar, um, you can walk to every spot in like five minutes. Um, so there's a studio right up the street from jay's so i would back when i worked at jay's i met these guys just through promoting myself on the internet like writing dropping songs on soundcloud or whatever back mm-hmm. then um and these older guys are from boston they had a studio um called the De, block studios uh rest in peace to d my homie nico i still kick it with him um but i used to like work at jay's and i'd walk up the street go to the studio like sleep on the couch wake up record and they'd let me record if i like if i bought them lunch or something so they're like yo bring me some oysters bring me some (laughs) i want a haddock sandwich and i'm like it's a cool deal like uh, sometimes i'd like skip my shift meal at work just so i could bring them a sandwich to get some recording hours and stuff right um and there was this the one club back then that we shows at my first shows I was like 16 or 17 uh, it was called Club Texas in Auburn Maine which is about like 40-50 minutes away from Portland um, and it was a like a 21 plus club but like I snuck in with the cool guys you know the older guys and I was just like I kind of had a little chin strap beard and pretended like I was older And but they, they always X my hand they knew I was the young guy mm-hmm. I, did, I couldn't drink but you know, they'd slip me a little cup or something. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I just started, I was, like, 17 years old, started doing shows with them, and I just began to love it. And I was like, wait a second, like, I'm 17, and all these, like, 25, like, 30-year-old dudes who are, like, cool and drive these cool cars, and, like, they got studios, like, they want they want to hang out with me. Like, okay, that's cool, and I, I just kept doing it. Um it grew and grew and grew um, started to meet more people in the industry back then though i was like i was the one or two or three kids that rapped in my day like it was like high school there was like the kid from south portland who rapped the kid from portland who rapped the kid from Saco who rapped like that was it nowadays it's like my brothers my cousins everybody's friends like everybody's <laughs> a rapper you know right right that's just how the how it transformed to be um, Do you think you help? I wouldn't say unfortunately, that? but yeah, for sure. Like, I, like I said, I I still hang out with the old heads, but I I consider myself uh, an OG in the in the game. I got got some years under the belt doing mm-hmm. it, hence the the gigs I got with like like you said earlier. Like I opened up for Coolio, Styles P, DMX, uh, Afro Man. Riff Raff. Um, Huge name. Yeah, it's cool. Just like I look back at that time, like all that time I did what I was doing until now is kind of the reason why I get the opportunities I do today. Right, right. It's just like people appreciate the consistency, even though if, say, I didn't drop a lot of music or one year or i didn't like hit the stats that i should have um it's all about like the respect and who you know in the city it's like a small city like same thing with the oyster farm and stuff up here and even all across the country and across the world it's like everybody kind of knows each other um to a point where it's approachable at any kind of alleyway i want to take whether it's rap about oysters rap about smoke and rap about cars, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool, I guess I've never really compared it that way. It's like all the people I know in the rap life around here and all the people I know in the oyster life around here, it's like a similar connection that happened in both those completely different worlds.
0: Yeah. Do you remember like yeah. some of your uh, some of your first runs?
1: Oh, man. So funny, you say that uh, I posted the other day. I don't know if you've seen on my story. I was like, so my rap name, I go by Oyster Guy now. That's like my rap name on all my Mm -hmm. music. Um, Before, I mean, I still am. It's my initials. I was JDG, which is literally my name. Um, And I, I have some old high school homies. I posted on my story the other day on Instagram. And I was like, what's your favorite JDG bar? like joking around like didn't expect many responses and then i got like 40 or 50 responses like homies today and then like old homies that were just like hitting me with bars that i can't even remember saying but and then i read them i'm like oh yeah i said that (laughs) that's crazy um I, i gotta pull one up right now it's funny
0: while you're looking for that man um so I always like I love music um, but I'm not yeah. like a, I'm not I wouldn't be considered like a hip hop hit you know what I mean but I all just right. love music yeah and I had a little period where I thought I was where I thought I could freestyle and like me and my you know
1: everybody can freestyle
0: right right yeah. right so like me my brother and then you know like friends in the neighborhood we would all get together and we would like try to rap battle but none of us could like really rap It's not like one or two of us to really get down, well, they could get down. I couldn't. I was yeah. one of the ones that couldn't. But I yeah. remember this one bar that I said, I was like, "I'm hungry, man. So hungry, I could eat a hungry yeah. man." You know what I mean? And <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. And, was- <laughs> and and yeah, that was fire right now. man, man. You talking about somebody who thought he was doing something, man? I- it's a
1: good bar, man. <laughs> That bar, that bar holds today,
0: man. Like, like every time we get together, man, oh, like man. it never feels like somebody would drop it, man. It's like, "Garden, you hungry?" That's what we talk about. Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
0: Oh Shit, man, how much
1: you want for that bar? Oh <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, there's a couple on here. What I said. uh so so uh this one's not that old but um my my brother's co-partner who owns high roller lobster his name's his name's baxter um and we always like when we're kicking it in the kitchen or whatever i'm walking through like it's funny i show up to work and everybody's like they see me and they like the vibe switches to are like oh jdg's here and they're like channel into that rap stuff and they'll like do some lo-fi instrumentals on, on the radio or something um and I this one was off the top one time I was like a new tax bracket I let Bax track it and it's just like a, a flip on words yeah kinda. yeah yeah um uh, cause I, I worked for him his name's Bax you know um another old one I was like this one's like 12 years old it was Red and white, rolling up doobs in my Chuck Tay's. Hey, what's up, dude? (laughs) (laughs) That was like 15 year old me, like wearing Chuck Taylors. Rapping about rolling up doobies. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Yeah, it's a fun game to like, watch other people's responses in, almost like from my perspective. Like they they say it how I would say it, which mm-hmm. just makes it more funny. Like right, I, right. I even reading reading it through text, I'm like, I know how you just said that, and I know you're laughing your ass off at home. Like right, right. Um That's what's up. Yeah, it's just funny how single things you say from years ago can still hold strong.
0: Oh yeah, it's like that. It's forever. like that. Um, it's like that smell. Like sometimes I can smell something and take me back to a kid. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'll smell like like a, maybe a perfume my uh, grandma used to wore, wear or maybe she only wore it on special occasions. And like, sometimes I'll be walking in the stores like, oh shit, what's, you know, like, what's that? Like, it just, it just right. brings back that memory. I don't know what it is. I just know that memory is attached to that smell.
1: Right.
0: Um, What do you think music has done for you, man? I know a lot of people say, you know, music has brought them out of dark places or it has, um, you know, it's elevated or it's, you know, it's, it's saved them from a different type of lifestyle. Like, what do you think music has done for you?
1: Um, it's definitely all the above, like everything you just said, like, thankfully, I'm still here and nothing too bad has happened with it. Um, but there definitely has been some weird like turns in the years doing it where it's like I was so dependent on it and not getting what I wanted out of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a, obviously as a aspiring rapper, it's like as a, as a white male in America, it's one string hair and a bunch that you're going to, be famous one day, you know, like. Um, but anything is possible at the end of the day. No doubt. Um, but I've definitely like. Fell in the trap where I'm like, oh, I'm the best. Yeah, yeah. Like, because that's the attitude you have to have if you're, mm-hmm. you know, you. It's almost like you're competing with everybody else around you who's doing it, because um, you have to be the best if you want to be the best, you know. Um, so. I look at it and I'm very thankful today to like, like I said earlier, like I feel like the years in my past of just doing it for so long has given me opportunities today to keep doing it. And I feel like a lot of the young guys don't understand that or just don't even fathom it that that's what it took for me to get opening for Coolio, opening for dmx stuff Mm -hmm. like that um like in in those opportunities will pop out of the bush at me too like i won't be rapping for a few months or i haven't done nothing or haven't focused on putting music out in a while and then like it's almost like good karma like i i did something i've been being good or something i stopped drinking stopped smoking and then the booking agent will hit me and be like, "Yo, you want this amount of dollars to open up for Afro Man?" And I'm like, "Am I gonna say no?" Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and like, even to the point, and it it definitely brings a lot of anxiety. Um, that's what a, a people who aren't in the industry, like rapping or making music in any realm of things, um, don't understand to the fullest. Is like it's more than just rapping it's like like for example good doing the show with afro man like i got two homies who like dj with me and for me whenever i do shows Mm -hmm. and that in a whole is like that's hard to schedule and plan because you're already trying to i'm trying to schedule myself for this event i gotta schedule the dj for the event i gotta get the hotel i gotta pay the dj i gotta bring my homie with me who's my hype man i gotta talk to the booking agent guy like it's tough without management and a lot of there i feel like the industry is like 50 50 if not leaning more towards the independent thing which it definitely is nowadays mm-hmm. but it's like unless you have a management team behind you it's really hard to do anything in the music game like studio time like getting to the studio like going to the right studio catching the right vibe at the studio like I, for example i went to a studio two weeks ago and dropped a song with this like 21 year old kid who i work with who you know his his ego is bigger than mine is (laughs) that's hard to beat (laughs) but god bless him um we call him sunday but i i was like you know what I'm gonna bring Sunday out. We call him Sunday because uh the first day he started working at work. We asked him what his name was, and we thought he thought we asked him what day it was because it was loud in the restaurant. He goes, Sunday. And we're like, all right, that's your nickname now. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but for the Afroman show, like a week and a half ago, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, all right, I gotta get an Airbnb or a hotel for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. One that's expensive. Two, I need to bring homies because I'm a rapper and you bring homies. Three, I was like, all right, I got my DJ. We all got off work. Like we were all scheduled to work at the time. We had to find people to cover our shifts at work. Um, went down. I was like, I'm, I'm going to bring a young gun to, to the big leagues. See, see what he thinks about it. Um, And it was dope. He he was like, "Yo, this is the best day of my life type shit. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's That's so so cool to me. Like, that was almost more exciting to me than like the event was that I could like bring young guy out and be like, yo, this is if you keep grinding, like this could be you. Not that it was like breaking world records or anything. But like there was four or five hundred people there, you know, and Afro man fell off stage and made TMZ oh, wow. on it and oh, for all that real? it was great you'll have to look up the video um she was there in the like front row and I, I happened to be like like rolling one up like in the crowd or something after my set and I missed it because I was turning the other way and yeah he took a he tripped over the monitor and fell from like a four or five foot stage right on his back wow he's fine. he didn't get hurt he was fine but everyone like commotion started music stopped and I like turned I missed everything I saw the Mm -hmm. aftermath Um, but it's just like crazy stuff like that that like that's the coolest part about these events it's like who am I gonna meet are people gonna like what I do is it worth it Um, financially experience wise um, are the people gonna like I said is a crowd gonna be like, Who's this guy rapping about oysters? I'm here to mm-hmm. see an Afro Man, you know?
0: Right, right, uh, right.
1: But it's cool, man. It's like it's a it's a tough thing with my style to attract followers and viewers, but at the same time, I feel like I'm real enough with it, people appreciate it. Like you, you'll have the younger crowd out there that's just like, ah, they don't really get it. And then I'll have like He's like forty-year-old mom, single moms come up to me and be like, "Can I have your autograph? Like, can I get a photo with you? Send to my son." And I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Like that's that's the coolest part. I get like goosebumps about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom and dad come down to a different state to like watch me perform, which is great. Um, And my little brother will come out. I gotta like sneak him in. Talk to the the security at the door. I'm like, "He's my brother, man. He's I know he's nineteen. Just let him in, though." Right. Like, all right, you can come in. That's what's up.
0: What's, yeah, it's a, it's, so I just watched a video of Afro, man. Maybe I'll get fancy and try to put it up on the screen. But, like, yeah. what's some of the wildest – man, I don't even want to ask. But, yeah, what is some of, like, the wildest stuff you've seen, like, while, um, you know, performing? Uh, All right. If you can't talk about it, that's like, cool, too.
1: No, no, that's – I mean, like, during performance – um. I mean, Afro Man falling off stage is up there. Uh, it's crazy because he did He did Hampton, New Hampshire. We we did. I, I did the show, too. Um, mm-hmm. Hampton, New Hampshire on Friday night. And then Afro Man flew to New Orleans Saturday night, did a show in New Orleans, and then flew back to Manchester, New Hampshire Sunday wow. night.
0: Good God. So
1: New Hampshire one night, New Orleans one night back to new hampshire just for the money and he's been going through a lot of social media uh nonsense of people false allegations of him like selling shit whatever selling drugs um Mm -hmm. he just beat that went to the jail got all his money back or whatever um yeah that was definitely up there um biggest craziest show i ever did um I worked for the radio up here, Hot Radio, Maine, for a minute. But before I worked for them, I did the Hot Summer Show, they call it. So mm-hmm. the, this, it was 2019. Um, it was supposed to be Wiz Khalifa. Um, but he, like, day of show, called out. It was like, I broke my ankle, I can't show up. The, and there was 5,000 tickets sold to this this big, giant outdoor festival venue, you know? And I'm there, like, I'm one of the, like, five openers um, locally. And there was, like, A Boogie, Lil Tekka, Isla, a um, bunch of, like, low-key, kind of, like, on the up-and-up coming rappers opening as well. Um, Wiz Khalifa called out the day of the booking guys from the radio had DMX's contact. They hit up DMX the day of the show, gave him an offer. DMX got on a plane, came to Port uh Westbrook, Maine, and showed out. And like it's crazy because like the whole crowd of four or five thousand people was there to see Wiz Khalifa, the headliner. So it's all these like high school kids, you know? And then Wiz bails out and DMX shows up. So half the crowd probably didn't even know who DMX was, you know what I mean? Um, He set off the show crazy. Um, He ended up coming back to High Roller, the restaurant. Like this is like 25 minutes from the venue. And like, we just convinced him. My my brother, all our homies were there. Like I had like a squad of like 25 homies with me. Um, We convinced him to come back to the restaurant with his squad. But before that, they were like in the parking lot and my homie had a moped, he drove his moped there. And DMX was on my homie's moped with my brother's wife on the back of it. Riding around the parking lot going, rough riders. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that's, that's DMX. You know, rough riders, um, Matt Meatballs, freaking moped. And then he came back to the restaurant. Um, I beat him there. I was the one to open the door. Um, for him like I, I saw his little they're in like a van they pulled up and i like from inside like ran to the door held the door open for dmx and i'm in a all high rollers all red and white so i had like all red and white i had like starter pants on i had like a champion shirt whatever big red logo and dmx what i opened the door for him and he goes only words he ever said to me was you blood <laughs> and i was like i'm high roller and that was it and then he went on the patio, too. It was on his phone the whole time, uh-huh. smoking, asking, asking people for cigarettes. And then my homie, Rick, uh, went up to him and asked him for a cigarette. I was like, you just asked DMX for a cigarette? <laughs> you should do that? Um, but yeah, that, that was the definitely one of the craziest ones. Um, you didn't get DMX Other eat than the oysters, man? He didn't. He didn't. He was he was out of it. He wasn't like. Oh, okay, okay. He was busy. We'll yeah. just say he was busy. He was on his phone. He was, he was all over the place. God rest right. his soul. Fuck. Yeah. Legend. Um. Uh, but, smaller venue, right down the street from the restaurant at Aura. That's when I opened up for Coolio. I did this rap battle competition, right, um, at this like basement venue that had like rap night and it's all like the street kids like no one's like really good it's like a couple guys that were nice or whatever um but i went i was like and the competition was you had to perform two of your original songs with no back vocals at all and there's like a couple judges who judged who had the best lyrics and the best songs i ended up winning I got I got a rap night hat, but this hat was the winning um, for the Coolio opening show, and that one was crazy because Coolio was super cool. He he just wanted to hang out with everyone, um, and I rode in the he had his tour van was a Ford Transit, <laughs> um, so I'm in the back of this transit. In between my girlfriend at the time and Coolio and then like three or four Coolio's ladies that were like, they're like 40, 50, but like, they're pretty good looking women, like older chicks, whatever. Right, right, right. But I'm like, I'm like 22, like I'm sitting in a Ford Transit with my crazy ex-girlfriend at the time and Coolio, what the heck, and then we bring them to the restaurant I called the restaurant. We it, They were closing. It was like 1030 at night. They closed at like 930 or something. And I didn't even know who was working. I was like scrambling. I'm like, I'm in a van with Coolio. What do I do? Um, so I text, uh, I pull the phone up. But I like look up the restaurant's phone number because I didn't have it. And one of the waitresses answers the phone. I'm like, yo, it's JDG. Don't lock the doors. I'm with Coolio. We're coming to the restaurant and we show up to the restaurant we like turn all the lights back on um and we're like all right a- after party in the basement and the basement's a huge like huge prep kitchen whatever and i like put my glove on i go grab some oysters um i don't know if you've probably seen the picture uh but it's me and my brother it's my brother's birthday too which is crazy i called him i was like yo you gotta come to the restaurant like i'm with coolio he wants to eat some lobster and some oysters and we were just in the basement i was shucking oysters with coolio um and he was like pouring like this crazy like triple ipa white ferrari beer on the oyster and he's like where's the pepper i want, I want some pepper where's the, the lemons at and he was just like because he has a past of being a chef and stuff so he's like i'm shucking oyster right next to him i had a chain mesh glove on i was trying to be cool Uh, uh, and I'm like handing him oysters, and he's like putting a bunch of stuff on them, eating them, whatever. Um, And then he had a crazy line. I don't know how uh, explicit you can get on here, but
0: he said something eh?
1: crazy. He was like, he he, one of the first oysters he ate, everybody's filming him. We're all filming him. He goes, "Hi, roll of lobster coat. Tastes better than your mama titty. And we're all like,
2: oh, my God. (laughs)
1: And like we didn't post it on the high roller page, but everybody started freaking out. I still got a video. I watch it every now and then I'm like, Oh my God. Like I was literally just hanging out with Coolio eating oysters in my brother's restaurant. Like, that's, right, great. Right. Um, that's cool. Yeah. That was, I'd, I'd say that was the coolest, uh, opportunity I ever had. Although I'm like more of a styles P fan. Um, Gave Styles some smoke, propped him up, and I was like, "Damn, Styles peas and poor LeBaine." <laughs> yeah, that, th- those are my crazy rap stories. <laughs> that's it,
0: man, that's that's cool, man. That's cool. I mean, shoot. Yeah. But you know what? I feel like uh, you know every oyster shucker really is a rock star anyway. But you're literally a rock star. You know what I mean? Right. But that's what's up, man. So I try um, to. And it,
1: that, that's a. Uh, I, I was just going to quickly say, like, that was, like, the transition of me when I, I almost – I had two social medias. I I was JDG as my rat, and then I was Oyster Guy as my oysters. And then one day I was just like, I can't manage two Instagrams. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to put JDG into Oyster Guy, just be Oyster Guy. and That's just stuck. Uh, and
0: we didn't even really talk. We got to talk about the um... – what was it? The uh the rap you did for the Oyster Festival? Oh yeah. Was was that yeah. specifically like I'm a was lot that... from
1: the DOC? So they reached out for me to me, uh, the the media company, O Main Studios. because they had been the people who worked for O Main Studios had been like regulars at the Oyster Shop. Um and then I got a video on YouTube that song. Um but the media hit me up the night before and we're like, yo, can you make and write a song about the Oyster Festival by tomorrow? And I was like, it was like a time like this or something. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, like I'm competing in the shucking contest up there and there's going to be like a thousand pe- people there. Like, obviously I want to write a song and perform it. The news is there. Um, so I, threw together some bars and I was like, I texted him. I was like, give me some pointers to hit, like, give me some punchlines I needed to say or whatever. And he just hit me with like scramble of words, like the DOC, Dammit Scott, Oyster comp, um, and a bunch of other words. And then I was like, and that's what motivates me too, is like, it's really hard. Sometimes it's easy, but like 80% of the time it's hard to just like sit down and write good lyrics. Mm-hmm. But it's very i almost want to say very easy when like someone of whatever company or someone of a higher media presence reaches out and it's like hey can you do this i'm like it like amps me up and i'm like hell yeah i can do that like right 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 that's all i want to do right now yeah um and like right now i got uh i don't know if you see my oyster farmer music video my song um, with my homie Jake Hill. Oh, no.
0: Yeah, I did see that. He's he doing big kind of... things
1: right now. Yeah, He was like, like a folk songwriter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's on the hook, and he's, he's doing big things right now. He's out in Montana um, with my guy, Rob Bailey. You got to follow both of them. Um, they're dropping a crazy collab uh, project where Rob Bailey does, like, heavy music like metal like scream music mm-hmm. and Jake is like acoustic folk songwriter music so they have they'll drop the song in like the folk version and then the next day they'll drop the song in a heavy metal version with the same lyrics which is wild oh, like I, I never thought they like, just dropped a song tonight it's crazy good um, gosh uh,
0: uh, is this Kill Rob Bailey
1: yeah he's insane God and it, his wife is the number one female bodybuilder in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you follow, she's on it, all his posts, Dana Lynn Bailey.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, I, I'm linked in with them. I'm going to go visit them in February just on yeah. some music, on some homie shit. But
0: yeah, I saw you got some some dumbbells. So is that is that part of the motivation?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I was telling that. <laughs> I was just texting Jake. I was like, yo, like, I'm coming out. I'm bringing oysters. I was like, you gotta die in the finest. I was like, I've been doing push ups, so I'll be out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, man. Um
1: Yeah, it's cool. Like ever since we connected, I like we hit each other every day just on some funny like lyric stuff or motivational stuff. I see him posting. Rob has a bunch of land out there. He like he they made it. They're they're like made it, made it. So I'm like here in this pocket where I'm like, I know you guys. Right, right. But I'm not there yet. But mm-hmm. how can I attend to understand how hard you hustle to get where you're at, you know? I got wow. a few more big steps to take.
0: What do you what do you think it's gonna I know we've been going a while, but like what do you think it's gonna take for you to get to over the hurdle, whatever that hurdle is? Like whether it's oysters, music, life, like what what is it gonna take?
1: Um, So I like really like saying this, but I try not to say it a lot because it kind of pushes it to the future more than I should. Mm -hmm. But I say time will tell. And for some reason, that's always stuck true to me with like. You see all those memes and stuff on the Internet that it's like. Wherever you're at today, you dreamed of being there five years ago you know they're Mm -hmm. like and that that's true to somebody saying it's a very vague thing to say but um i definitely am a believer of like living in the moment and just like being who i am and being who you are to acquire the appropriate like follower viewer attendance that you deserve um at the same time like being obnoxious and out there and like, being like, yo, I got all the clout, like all the friggin', I'm better than everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, you gotta be that way to some extent, but being humble gets you farther in the industry. Um, But lately I've been really thinking about it where I'm like, I follow a bunch of these guys, whether it's like rapping or like sports or, oysters and stuff and it's like you kind of got to be that like big head like I'm the best and get people to understand and like see that more for you to actually get to that point mm-hmm. um, it's like cockiness like you got to have it to get to where you want to be uh,
0: I appreciate, appreciate you for taking this uh, late hour night and it's midnight now um, but appreciate you taking time um, out your schedule and your writing schedule, your dreaming schedule. I mean,
1: like now <laughs> I'm all like amped up. I've been talking. I'd be like, I can put some words on some paper. I might stay do up it, for another man. couple hours. Write a do it, Do it
0: for sure. Do yeah. it and let us know. And um, I'm definitely gonna leave some links. Uh, you know, in the indes- in the description. But um, for all the listeners out there, where can they find you? Where can they find your music? And um, hopefully, you know, do you have a timeline for uh your oyster farm?
1: yeah um so yeah uh on all platforms at oyster guy it's not oyster it's oyster so it's o-y-s-t-a-h-g-u-y um on instagram spotify i only got like four or five tracks on spotify right now but looking to double or triple that in the next couple months keep it moving um I just got to get some more right in time, you know. Um, but, yeah, YouTube, hit me up oyster guy. I think if you if you go on YouTube and search oyster farmer, it's it's one of the first videos that pops up. It's real colorful. I'm in like uh I'm in a Nickelodeon green and purple slime outfit. My homie Jake's in some orange Grundins so we're by a bunch of buoys. Um, yeah, go uh, YouTube oyster farmer and you'll see me um, But also check out my homie Jake Hill and Rob Bailey doing their thing. uh, Montana, living that lifestyle. Um, Yeah, man, I'm uh, excited to keep the relationship going mutually with you. And hopefully one day we'll see each other at an Oyster Festival, whether we're next to each other with a knife in hand or if we're having a beer. Uh, um, It's always good talking to a, a fellow Oyster professional, you know?
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, I mean, it's going to happen for sure because Maine is so daggone beautiful. Uh, I fell in love with Maine and Canada, honestly, on that trip. I was like, yo, I need to bring my family back, and we need to just come here where I can relax and chill and have a good time.
1: I'll be here forever, man. Like, I (laughs) I dream about leaving, and I've never left the country. I've I've been over the country, but... I'll always be in Maine, man. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right, man, will you be safe? And uh, again, thank you.
2: Hell yeah, thank you, Doug. Good talking to you.
0: And now, a word from our sponsors.
2: My name's Matt Owens, and I'm the founder and CEO of Healthy Ocean Seafood Company, the owner of the Pescavore brand. For the last five years, six years now, actually, I've been the sustainability director at Trimarine, which is a, a global tuna supplier. Uh, we're down here at San Pedro right now at a trimarine facility. And so for the last several years, I've been working to uh, effectively manage tuna resources all around the world. So we have these great sustainable fisheries in the US, but most of that gets exported a lot of times, processed overseas, then imported back into the United States. We have a huge seafood trade deficit. And I wanted to find a way in which I could add value to the resource in here on the West Coast and bring it to market here on the West Coast. And so that's really how Pescavore started. And so to take a West Coast caught tuna and process it into something that's different, something that's delicious, something that's convenient, something that's healthy, and something that's sustainable. And that's what Pescavore brand is all about. It's making seafood snackable, it's taking sustainable tuna, and it's, it's bringing it into the snack space so that it's convenient for people. You can eat it anywhere. It's delicious, it's good for you, and importantly, you can feel good about it. You're supporting local fishermen, you're supporting a sustainable fishery that's well managed.